Please be seated. Welcome this morning. We're so grateful that you've chosen to worship and be with us here at the High Point Church of Christ. This is kind of crazy times, and that's why we're talking about what it means to be the church in uncertain circumstances. And this morning, we know that a lot of you have gone back to school. Most of you are, are not in person yet, and yet some families are trying to make that decision, and we got teachers, and it's just a really difficult time, especially for those that are trying to figure out how am I going to educate our children. So we wanted to begin this morning with a time of prayer for our students and also a time of prayer for our teachers. Heavenly Father, we want to lift up our schools. We want to lift up our teachers and we want to lift up our students, whether they be in elementary or in middle school, high school or college. Lord, uh, we just know that this is going to be a challenge and there's going to be some ups and downs. And Lord, we also know that administrators and school officials uh, are going to have to make some important decisions. We ask that you give them wisdom. We ask that you give them guidance. Lord, we also ask that you put a hedge of protection around these teachers and students. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A couple of years ago, our neighbor's tree was hanging over our fence and was dumping leaves into the pool. And I got permission, hey, can I trim those? And he goes, sure, yeah, trim back the, the branch as far as you want. Well, about that time, there were some crews coming through that were trimming up, so I got them to bid. And it was going to be over $400 just to trim up one tree hanging over our fence. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to Home Depot, and I'm going to spend about $49.95 and just go to town on my neighbor's tree. And as I started doing this, I realized there were some branches I couldn't quite get to. So my brain started clicking, okay, how am I going to do this? Well, Joe's parents were in town, and I said, why not go back down to Home Depot and rent some scaffolding? So the idea was I could be 12 foot higher in the air holding this pole and my wife says, for someone who has advanced degrees, sometimes the common sense doesn't work. But I'm like, if it doesn't work, I'll fall in the pool. But the, the scaffolding that I got came with what are called outriggers. These are really poles that hook into the scaffolding and make your base more sturdy. Well, I said, you know what? We're on a level ground. We don't need to do this. So we left the outriggers in the truck. Well, it worked fine as we're trimming back there, but then I thought, as long as we got the scaffolding, let's go around front and trim those trees as well. Well, the scaffolding started picking up speed as it went down the driveway, and as we tried to make the corner, well, the two-story scaffolding started going over. Now, I just jumped out of the way because I knew I wasn't going to be able to get it turn upright, but Jill's 82-year-old father tried to brace it to keep it from hitting his minivan. Well, it ended up clocking him straight in the head, and it knocked him unconscious, and it split open his skull, and he was bleeding. I, I thought I was going to have to make a call that I'd kill my father-in-law. But as it turns out, he was fine. We woke him up. He put his hat on. He said, let's finish the tree trimming, then we'll go to urgent care. We got to get that scaffolding back. You only have a half day rental on it. So 
we went to urgent care, and as he's getting 13 staples in his scalp, I said, you know what? Maybe we should have used the outrigger poles on the scaffolding. This morning, I want us to realize in uncertain times, what we do normally when things are level aren't working in times where we have multiple things that we're worried about. So this morning, I want to give us some outrigger poles, some added support as things get crazy during this uncertain time from the story of Daniel. Let's worship together. You know, as I began thinking about this series about what the church should do during uncertain times, one of the stories that just immediately popped up was the story of Daniel and just all the things that were going on. Because as you read through the book, not only is it a critical book of, of prophecy, especially for the nations, you also see there's a tremendous amount of parallel to what's going on around us. As the Babylonians come in, there's violence in the streets. Uh, we also see that there's statues that are being raised and some that are knocked over and people are having to decide if they're going to kneel or if they're not going to kneel. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, of things that, that are happening. And people are worried about government instability as some rise and some fall. And, and people are being persecuted for their beliefs. And, and as you read through the story of Daniel, you're like, oh, okay, check, check, check. That's what's happening here. So I encourage each of us to go back and read through Daniel, especially the first few chapters, to see how this man of God was used by God to provide a lot of stability to God's people, but also to point towards a new day where God would reign through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, if you remember during our capital campaign, we talked about this Babylonian captivity. We talked about how God's people had strayed from his plans and, and how they had been led off into captivity. And... Uh, Boy, those that went, well, they were the best and the brightest. See, Nebuchadnezzar came in and he's like, I'm starting a new administration and I'm going to carry not only with me some gold and silver from the temple and these valuable articles that I'll store away, but I'm also going to take with me the best and the brightest. I, I need some people to serve. And so he goes to the elites of society and he takes the young people from them that were attractive, that, that were healthy, and they were smart. And so this is the first wave of captives that get led from Jerusalem out into Babylon. And so there's word on the streets that, hey, let's just hang on here for a few years. Then God's going to bring us back. But the prophet Jeremiah says, no, go ahead and, and plant vineyards. Start making a living. Start doing trade among the people there in Babylon. Because you're going to be there for an entire generation, for 70 years. And so as these young people are, are led and, and they're brought in as captives, prisoners of war, the main goal of the Babylonians was assimilation. We're going to teach you a new language. We're going to teach you a new history. We're going to put you through an education process that's designed to completely transform your mind. And we're going to give you a new name. No longer are you going to have your Hebrew roots you're going to be Babylonian servants serving a Babylonian king. The only problem is they didn't account for Daniel. Immediately, Daniel 
kind of throws the challenge flag and he goes, hey, I have to tell you, I appreciate this spread of food that you put before us. Yeah, it comes straight from the king's table. I know, but I don't want these delicacies and these fine wines. It, instead, I prefer to eat something different. And he's like, well, well Daniel, I, boy, you, you know you're one of my favorites. Uh, but my neck's on the line here that during this time of, of trial and as we're getting you ready, if we go present you for the king and you look scrawny and, and malnourished, then it's going to be my name that made this decision. So Daniel says, tell you what, why don't you let me and a few of my friends here, we're just going to have vegetables and water, water for 10 days. Then do a lineup and see how we compare with the others. And of course, God showed favor. And those that were attending to him go, okay, maybe your ways are better. And so they changed the diets for all of them. But you look at the story, and you've got Daniel and his closest friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They start this kind of counter-revolution in, in this counter-cultural way of being captives, still honoring God while serving faithfully in this. And at the time when they were brought in before the king, and they're all lined up, and, and they're there. The king saw these, these young men and said, I don't know what's different, but there's none equal to them. And so they were ushered into the king's service. The text tells us they didn't just stand out, these four, from their fellow captives. No, in, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 20, he said, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, when just their appearance, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. So it's like an, instead of just serving in my court and, and doing different things, I think that you're smarter than the guys that I'm calling my wise men, my wise counsel. So I want you to go, instead of doing common tasks, I want you to join the elite members that give me wise counsel as I have to deal with different things. And so they're ushered into the king's servants. And I'm, I'm sitting there reading this and going, isn't God awesome? Isn't God just incredible that as these four men separate themselves from their fellow captives and, and they retain their identity and, and they hold on to what they believe, God says, I'm going to make a way for you. Even though you're away from your hometown, even though you're away from your family, even though you've been taken from the life that you want and everything's uncertain, God's got this. He, he's going to take care of you. So the big idea of the message this morning is even in uncertain times, church, we should never lose hope in God's plan for his people. Amen? Boy, that's what God wants us to do. To say, when, when the canoe is rocking or the scaffolding, so to speak, we need to look around and go, God is going to be my support. God is going to be my anchor. God is going to take care of me. And we can have hope in his plan. Well, for Daniel, those uncertain times just continued. See, in, in chapter 2, which is also year 2 of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this troubled king begins having a reoccurring dream. So every night, 
It's not just that he has dreams, but it's the same one. And it wakes him up. Okay, that's terrible. I, I don't know what it is. Tries to go back to sleep. The dream comes back night after night. Finally, he says, this is driving me nuts. Obviously, there's a message I need to receive from this. And so I've got to find out what the meaning of this reoccurring dream. And so the king says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to summon in all of my smart folks. I'm going to line them up and say, okay, I need help sorting out this problem. That's why I have you on the payroll. And so that's what he does. So all of the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, anyone that, that professes to have a higher knowledge, that might be able to glean a wisdom from different areas that they've studied that might be able to weigh in uh, and help the king during times of trouble. They're all brought in. And so this whole council of wise guys is there. And so he goes through this and, and he tells them um, that I want you to help me with this problem. They're like, what's your problem? Well, he says, well, every night I get this dream. And it comes back, and it comes back, and, and I want you to tell me what it means. So I imagine one of them stepped forward, all right, well, well, you brought in the right guys. Um, tell us what it is, and then we'll start over here and work our way around. We'll each give our two cents as to what we think the dream means. One of us is bound to be right. Does that work for you? Uh, the king says, uh, no, that does not work for me. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 5, six, 5 and 6, the king replies to the astrologers, this is what I've firmly decided. So pay attention. He says, I want you to understand how important this is to me. If you do not tell me what my dream was and then interpret it, I'm going to have you cut into pieces and your houses will be turned into a pile of rubble. And, and if that's not incentive enough, if you tell me what the dream is and explain it, you're going to receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and then I want you to interpret it for me. Well, you got to hand it to King Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, he's got the whole motivation thing down, doesn't he? I mean, he has both the carrot and the stick. He's like, let me tell you about the carrot. If you tell me what the dream is and, and you interpret it, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You're going to have great honor. I'm going to put a stack of cash over in your account. I'm going to give you a promotion. And everyone's going to know that of all the smart guys, this is the one that helped me the most. But if you can't, I'm going to cut you into pieces and bulldoze your house. So your whole family all going down with you. Okay, so, wow. Well, what would you do in that situation? Because here's why the king did this. He knows if they're not smart enough or don't have access to powers beyond their own ability, then what's the point? Why should he trust the interpretation if they don't know the dream? What would you do? In that situation, I, I know what I would do. Because psychologists have identified the 10 most common dreams, right? 
And so you're like, okay, most people, it's one of these 10. That's kind of what these mean. And so I'm going to kind of string together some ideas. If I, see, if I see the king's eyes flicker a little bit, I know I'm, I'm heading in the right direction and I'll develop that. So I will, okay, in your dream, uh, king, you were running away from some people. Um, well, then, then you fell. You were falling into a pit of snakes, right? But they didn't bite you because you started flying. Yeah, you, you flew out of the pit to go turn in your homework that you forgot about. Um, you know, uh, and you were in your underwear. You know, okay. Though that's what I would do. I would try to see King, give me something. But that's not what the wise men did. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 11, they said this, what the king asked is just too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, right? And we're not gods. They don't live among the humans. What they're admitting is we don't have access to anything beyond this world, this supernatural. We're just mere humans. And the king says, that was what I was afraid of. Why do I need you then? And so in a fit of rage, here's what he does. He goes through and he orders the execution of everyone in the room. In fact, anyone that's on the payroll as a wise person, a wise man, including Daniel, was to be put to death. Because I've got a problem and my wise counsel can't help me unravel it. And so they clear the room and they're getting ready for this. And the commander of the king's guard has to go tell the other ones that weren't present. Hey, I know you weren't there, but you're kind of lumped in with this other group. And so Daniel apparently has a relationship. He has a relationship with everyone. He has an ability to connect. And he's like, okay, why is the king reacting this way? Why is he overreacting in this situation? So the guard explains it to him. He goes, okay. Okay, I want to go in before the king and ask for more time. Time for discernment. You know, so our first outrigger, our first area of support that I want us to realize is we find ourselves in uncertain times and we feel like things are kind of getting out of control and they're wobbling. Our first area of support is to stop and reflect. Stop and reflect. You know, like that big two-story scaffolding going down my driveway. I think sometimes when our world gets a little bit cockeyed and, and going crazy, what happens? It seems like our world speeds up. And people are asking you for decisions. People are asking you to make a difference. People are asking you to step out there and declare where you are. I know for me, when I feel that pressure and I relent to it, Oftentimes I say something I wish I hadn't. Sometimes I react instead of acting. And I oftentimes find myself wishing I hadn't, wishing I had stopped and reflected. So here's what, what Daniel does. Even with his life and the life of his fellow wise men that are on the payroll of the king, even with their life in the balance, Daniel 
kind of calls a timeout. And he asks for an audience with the king. If you remember from the story of Esther, Esther was very fearful to go before the king to ask and make a request to have a dinner party to intervene on behalf of her fellow Jews. She's like, if, if, if I go before, the, the king can give a thumbs up. Yeah, come on into my presence. I, I want to talk with you. Or he can do a thumbs down and that means instant death. But Daniel risked that. He's like, oh king, I don't want to just jump out there. I need time. I need time. I want to stop and I want to reflect. So with boldness of character, he goes in and makes this request. So during these uncertain times, what I'm going to ask each of us to do is we find that we're in these pressure zones. And people are asking things or we're reacting to different things. I want us to stop. I want us to reflect of who's ultimately in charge. Take a deep breath. As we talked about last week, breathe in God's spirit through our nostrils. Let him feel that he is in control of us. And if we'll allow him, he'll give us the wisdom and discernment to walk forward in a way that honors him. The second outrigger of support is this. Summon your peeps. <laughs> Summon your peeps. Find a group of people that you can go to. Our, our small group provides that for me and, and other friends and groups that I'm in. That when one of us finds us in, in a time of, of struggle or hardship, immediately we hop into a text box and, and we're asking for prayer. And, and we're talking about what's going on in our lives. And, and by doing that, we're sharing the burdens with each other. But we're also soliciting support and encouragement and wisdom. And that's what Daniel does after he gets a reprieve and, and a time to go and, and to reflect and bring his petitions for God, the first thing Daniel does is he goes and finds Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, boys, I need you to be my support system. I, I need you to be the one that intercedes on my behalf before our Heavenly Father. So in, in, in verse 14, we, we see that, that Daniel is speaking with both wisdom and tact. Daniel is, is looking, and before he speaks, God is providing him the right things to do. He goes before the king, and now he goes before his friends, and he's taking all the right measures. Why would he need to get support from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Scripture tells us that there is a power beyond ourselves that when we bring in brothers and sisters that are righteous, that if you remember the old Ghostbusters, and I know I'm dating myself, but the final scene where they cross the streams, that, that, that's what James tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 16, is that there's a power beyond ourselves when brothers and sisters unite in righteousness and go before our Holy Father and bring a request. It's like it's amplified before the Father. And that's exactly what Daniel does. And so when we go through uh, this time of pandemic, and if, if we're honest, sometimes I, I really think Satan is using this time to divide us, not only as a nation, but divide us and pull us away from this support. So I want to encourage you that it's time for you to reach back out for that support if you feel isolated. 
I know it's hard as a church to figure out how to do that. You know, there are a lot have made a decision that I really don't care what's going on in the world around me. I have to come on campus and worship with my brothers and sisters. And many are here this morning. Most have not made that decision. Well, who's right? Both are. Each one of us has to make a decision as to what we're comfortable with. But if you've made a decision, I just can't go with hundreds of people on campus at this moment. We want as, as a church to offer you a couple of in-between steps. On Sunday night, August the 30th, we want to provide an ice cream and singing. I, I know we've done this in the past, but I think it's going to carry a little more meaning as we gather together. Is it going to be hot? Yes. We're going to wait till 7 o'clock. But it's an opportunity for us to get together. Are we going to distance ourselves? Absolutely. We'll leave places and parking. We're going to try to provide some shade for everyone. But keep people at a distance. But we want those that don't feel comfortable to come on Sunday morning to say, okay, this is a built-in way. I can be outside. I know we'll have force with cars in between us that I won't be that close. Uh, I'm going to try this. Another in-between step that I hope that you will consider is this. A nationwide survey in the United States has come up with 57% of all Americans have made a decision that I'm going to allow myself to be in a bubble of people. Now, this may be just family. It may be family and close friends. But people that you trust are, are taking the pandemic as serious as you are. Trusting that, okay, I've got to have social interaction. I, I've got to have some friends that can encourage me. That can keep me going in the right direction. I feel too isolated. So we want, if you feel comfortable, starting on Sunday morning, September the 13th. We're going to be doing a new sermon series on life in the spirit. And Ryan Newhouse is going to be doing a class on Galatians. If you feel comfortable, talk with your small group and say, would it be possible for a portion of us, not all are going to make a decision to do this, but can a portion of us get together on Sunday morning and worship and have communion together? I, I, I don't feel comfortable going on campus, but if it's just eight to ten of us, can we do that? So I encourage you to be in prayer about that and say, can our group get together? If you're not in a group, you feeling a little isolated, we want to help you at the end of this lesson figure out how to find that group of people to do bubble time with. If you make a decision at the end of this, I, I just can't. I've got to remain just in my house. Please let us uh, let us know that and let us know how we can support and encourage you from a distance. Because we want you to have this support from your friends. Our final outrigger is this. Our final area of support is seek heavenly counsel. I know it seems obvious. And it's something that we all know. It is that going before the throne room. That Jesus pulling back the curtain to reveal the holy of holies. Saying no longer are you kept out. You can walk right in. 
we know that access is available to us. And we know our Heavenly Father yearns for us to come in to be in His presence as His children. But sometimes we find ourselves in these uncertain times and it's like the last thing we do. Why is that, church? We've got to go before our Heavenly Father, get down upon our knees and ask our Father. You know, that night after Daniel left Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, asking them to lift up prayers, he goes and does the same thing. And somewhere in the night, I don't know if he's still down on his knees praying, or if he says his prayers and he goes on to bed, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, the Lord had given him the dream and what it meant. So he got up, got dressed, brushed his teeth, went and found the commander of the guard. He's like, Okay, hold off on the executions. I know you're going to do them today. Take me before the king. Are you, are you sure? Yeah, I, I know what the dream is. And I know what the interpretation is. So he goes in and, and he talks with the king and he says, King, <laughs> there isn't a wise man. There isn't a magician. There isn't an enchanter. Nor can I do what you're asking no one can. But the God that I represent knows every secret. There's a God in heaven that knows every mystery and can reveal them to you. King, this is the dream that kept you up at night. And he starts talking about this large statue that had a head of gold. He, he had a, a chest and, and arms of silver. He had a belly and, and thighs of bronze and, and legs of iron and feet, kind of a mixture of clay and iron. And the king's like, yes, that's what's been keeping me up. What does it mean? Daniel, he goes, well, the good news is you're the head of gold. No, there's no one greater than you. But your kingdom's not going to last there will be a kingdom that will follow yours that will be inferior. And one will follow after that and after that. Each time a step down in quality. But there's going to come a day, O oh king, where there will be a rock. Not just any rock, but a rock that's hewn from the mountain. That's intentionally cut out. They'll be rolled towards this statue. It's going to hit those legs and feet of clay. And it's going to fall down. The whole thing's going to crack. And it can't be repaired. Because all of the pieces are going to turn to dust. Whether they're gold or silver or bronze or iron or clay. It's all going to blow away. But what will remain is that hewn out rock. That stone. That represents a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that's eternal. A kingdom that my heavenly father has revealed. Let me tell you all about that. I think it's interesting. That the magicians and the astronomers. And those that all throughout Daniel's career. Are fighting against him. Because they know he has something they don't have. Are the same astrologers. That come from the same area that the Magi did. Seeking after this stone. Seeking after this child. Seeking after this eternal king. That represents a kingdom that cannot be taken. Daniel's planting seeds for the future. To what God is up to. He said it's all here. 
King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face before Daniel and said, truly, he worshiped the one true God. Not only did he spare the life of, of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, but all of the wise men. But he promoted Daniel. And Daniel says, well, please, let me bring my three friends with me. So God was with them. God delivered them. And they remained faithful to God all of their days. I would like to close my sermon with a prayer that was inspired by Daniel's prayer as the Lord had revealed what was going to happen and, and what the dream was and the interpretation, Daniel got up and before he went into the king's presence, he prayed a prayer of thanks and listened to not only that he's being rescued, but God reveals to him that he is superior and he is in control, not only in the present, but all the way through eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to praise your name forever and ever. Lord, all wisdom and power are yours. Lord, you change the times and the seasons. Lord, we find ourselves in uncertain times. Help us to rely upon you knowing that you're in control. Lord, we know you have the power to bring leaders before us but you also have the power to depose them lord during this contentious political season help us to realize that you're in control you're not being surprised by anything and that your kingdom not this country but your kingdom will reign forever father we know that you give wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning Lord, we ask that your spirit fill us. Give us an extra measure of each so that we may walk in your ways. And Lord, that we may see things that you see them. And Lord, that we may advance the kingdom in the ways that you're prepared and the works you've given in advance for us. Help us to live into those. Lord, during these uncertain times, especially as our kids go back to school and people are going back to work, help us to trust that you know what lies in the darkness because of your eternal light that casts out this darkness. Lord, help us to trust that you know what's around the corner. Help us to trust that whatever is there will not surprise you and will not overpower you. Lord, you are in control Oh, God of our fathers, we thank you and we praise you. You alone have given us all that we need and have blessed us beyond measure. For this and the gift of your son, Jesus, that rock that will not be shaken, we thank you and we praise you. In his name, amen. Big idea from this message. During uncertain times, we don't lose hope that God's in control and that God has a plan for his people. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Obviously, we have an opportunity for those that are present to come forward for an invitation. But we'll also, if you're watching online, as most of you are this morning, over in the comment box is a link that will allow you to respond in a different way. 
we've been talking briefly about Jesus, that rock that just is eternal. If you want to know more about Jesus in the gospel, please mark that. And by tomorrow, you will be in contact with someone that can share the gospel message with you. If you're ready to talk about baptism and take that step of faith that begins with that journey, that helps you take that step where God's Spirit comes to help you along the way, you can mark that. We've also talked about small groups. If you would like to be a part of that and find that faith community, that bubble group that I'm going to, we're going to hunker down together and get through this. We want to connect you. And certainly if you want to serve on our campus and the community, we want to provide that as a way of doing that. We've had many guests that have been with us for a long time. And if you'd like to be a part of our new members class, we're going to start doing that online even after the pandemic is over as a way for us to connect. So you can make your decision to throw your lot in with the High Point family. Whatever your needs are, we want to be attentive to that. If we can help you this morning, come now as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>